Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. Charlotte, have you heard about the financial roadmap for mangrove protection and restoration? Yes, Diego, it was launched at COP28, right? It's a practical guide to increase capital flow into mangrove protection and restoration developed by the Global Mangrove Alliance and the UN Climate Change High-Level Champions in partnership with Systemique. Exactly. It's a follow-up to the mangrove breakthrough launched at COP27. H.E. Razan al-Mubarak, UN Climate Change High-Level Champion for COP28, emphasized the need for public, private, and philanthropic capital to keep healthy mangroves standing and to restore degraded ones. He also highlighted the crucial roles of policymakers, local communities, indigenous people, NGOs, and civil society in this endeavor. Mangroves are so important, aren't they? They sequester carbon more effectively than any other terrestrial ecosystem. They also protect coastlines from waves and wind and are a vital source of food and livelihoods for many climate-vulnerable communities. Despite their value, half of the world's mangroves are already lost. It's a sad reality, Charlotte, but there's hope. An estimated U.S. $4 billion investment by 2030 could secure their future. Wendelin Rosio Marquez, a community traditional leader and a champion for mangrove protection, pledged his support for this financial roadmap. He emphasized the crucial role of communities like his in securing the future of mangroves. And it's not just about the money, right? Peter Van Eyck, program head of Deltas and Coasts for Wetlands International, stressed the need for governments, philanthropy, and the private sector to endorse the mangrove breakthrough and make the financial roadmap their own. They need to mobilize resources to drive locally-led action on the ground. Yes, Charlotte. Jennifer Ring, a sustainable finance associate with Systemique, also noted that innovative financial instruments like blended finance funds, nature-based insurance, and blue bonds can unlock additional sources of investment. She called for collective action to create a true step change in finance for mangroves. And let's not forget the call to action from Jen Morris, CEO of the Nature Conservancy, and Christian Samper from the Bezos Earth Fund. They emphasize the need for collaboration and collective efforts to implement the financial roadmap. Samper even described the roadmap as a first step to turning the vision of securing the future of 15 million hectares of mangroves worldwide by 2030 into reality. Nick Studer, CEO of Oliver Wyman, also pledged his company's support for the mangrove breakthrough. He called climate change an existential threat that the global community must tackle together and described the mangrove breakthrough as a science-based, measurable intervention at a global scale. He invited others to join in protecting and restoring coastal forests and to put energy and resources behind pledges to help save the planet. It's a collective effort indeed, Diego. The financial roadmap for the mangrove breakthrough was made in collaboration with the Financial Services Task Force of the Sustainable Markets Initiative. It's a clear call to action for everyone to do their part in protecting and restoring our precious mangroves. From the depths of our oceans to the farthest reaches of our universe, there's always more to learn about our planet and beyond. Speaking of which, let's shift our gaze from the mangroves here on Earth to the skies above. A planet that's been somewhat in the shadows of Mars, Venus, is now stepping back into the scientific spotlight. Let's dive into some recent exciting findings. Charlotte, let's talk about Venus. 
It's a planet that has been somewhat overshadowed by Mars in terms of scientific attention, but recent findings have placed it back in the spotlight. Indeed, Diego. Scientists have detected atomic oxygen in Venus's atmosphere for the first time, which is a major breakthrough. This discovery was made using the Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy, a joint project between NASA and the German Aerospace Center. Right, and it's worth noting that this atomic oxygen is different from the molecular oxygen we breathe. It consists of a single oxygen atom, whereas the breathable oxygen is made up of two oxygen atoms. This atomic oxygen was found in a thin layer sandwiched between two other layers of the Venusian atmosphere. And this is quite the discovery, considering Venus's atmosphere is dominated by carbon dioxide, with oxygen being nearly absent. The detection of oxygen, especially on the side of Venus facing the Sun, is a testament to the power of modern technology and scientific dedication. Absolutely. The oxygen is produced when ultraviolet radiation from the Sun breaks down atmospheric carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide into oxygen atoms and other chemicals. This process, known as photochemistry, is also responsible for the creation of our own stratospheric ozone layer here on Earth. But it's important to note that despite this breakthrough, Venus is far from hospitable. Its thick atmosphere traps in heat in a runaway greenhouse effect, and there's a layer of clouds containing sulfuric acid. Not exactly a welcoming environment for Earth-based organisms. Indeed, Charlotte. The study's lead author, Heinz Wilhelm Hubers, emphasized that Venus is very different from Earth. The oxygen was found to be concentrated between two layers of the Venusian atmosphere, with temperatures ranging from about minus 120 C on the planet's day side to minus 160 C on its night side. It's a fascinating discovery that could help us understand more about Venus, especially why it is so different from Earth. Despite being our planetary neighbor, Venus has long been a mystery, and this finding brings us one step closer to unraveling its secrets. And as we continue to explore our solar system, discoveries like this remind us of the vastness and diversity of the universe. From understanding the evolution of Venus to the potential for life on other planets, there's still so much more to learn. From the exploration of the mysteries of Venus, we now turn our attention back to our own planet. As we continue to learn more about our universe, we are also reminded of the urgent need to protect our home. The climate crisis is a pressing issue that requires immediate attention and action. Let's delve into the latest development in this regard. Charlotte, let's delve into the 10-point policy wish list that scientists have unveiled at COP28 to combat the climate crisis. Absolutely, Diego. This wish list was put together by leading researchers from over 20 countries. It's a collaboration with the UNFCCC, Future Earth, the Earth League, and the World Climate Research Program. Right, and Simon Steele, the UNFCCC Executive Secretary, has emphasized the importance of the report. He sees it as a critical tool for decision makers, especially in this decade of accelerated climate action. The report, which represents the collective efforts of 67 leading researchers, outlines 10 key trends that policymakers need to address. One of the main points is that overshooting the 1.5C pathway of the pair agreement is becoming inevitable. Therefore, nations need to minimize the overshoot. That's a sobering thought, Charlotte. And they also warn that keeping the Paris Agreement alive will require a rapid and managed fossil fuel phase-out, not just a wind-down. Yes, and they've highlighted carbon dioxide removals as a key tool in this fight. 
but they also warn about an over-reliance on natural carbon sinks, whose future contributions are uncertain. This is why they're calling for robust policies to attract investment to make the market scale. The report also emphasizes the need for collaborative governance to better understand and act upon the interlinks between climate and biodiversity. They warn of compound risks, combinations of climate risks that might have more severe impacts when they occur alone. Yes, and they've also pointed out that humans will increasingly be unable to live in and move from places where climate risks continue to rise. They've also noted that championing justice and societal causes will enable better climate adaptation. And finally, they've highlighted the need for reforming food systems as a crucial tool in combating the climate crisis. It's clear that the scientists are using this report to inform policy implementation at COP28 and beyond. Exactly, Diego. As Professor Johan Rockström said, science is clear. COP28 must be the global meeting when the world gets serious about phasing out fossil fuels. And it's not just about phasing out fossil fuels, but also protecting remaining carbon sinks and stocks in ecosystems and building resilience in agriculture. It's clear that we're on a dangerous path and COP28 is a critical opportunity to change course. From the pressing concerns of our future, we now turn our attention to the intriguing mysteries of our past. We're shifting gears to explore a topic that is as fascinating as it is enlightening. Let's delve into the world of our closest known relatives, the Neanderthals, and uncover the surprising truths about their existence and our shared history. Today, we're shifting gears to a fascinating topic, Neanderthals. Diego, did you know that Neanderthals are Homo sapiens' closest known relatives and we coexisted for thousands of years? Indeed, I did, Charlotte. And it's interesting how our perception of Neanderthals has changed over time. They were once seen as dim-witted brutes, but recent findings have painted a different picture. Absolutely. Take the Brunicelle Cave in France, for instance. Archaeologists found hundreds of broken stalagmites arranged into structures, this suggests Neanderthals had a creative side, perhaps even a symbolic one. And that's not all. April Nowell, an archaeologist, suggests that Neanderthals had a much broader range of interests than we previously thought. They were not just brutish cavemen, but had a complex range of behaviors. Right? And with the advancements in methods for analyzing ancient DNA, we've been able to delve deeper into their biology and our shared history. We've even mapped out the entire Neanderthal genome, from multiple individuals. Which has led to the undeniable conclusion that humans and Neanderthals interbred. As Chris Stringer, a paleoanthropologist, points out, Neanderthals are partly our ancestors, even if we didn't evolve directly from them. And the artifacts we've found, from evidence of rope-making and adhesive production to the use of colorful pigments and adornments. Neanderthals were far more sophisticated than we've given them credit for. Exactly and don't forget the cave art. In 2018, a study demonstrated that the painted lines and dots in several caves in Spain were made by Neanderthals. This is a clear sign of symbolic behavior. And it's not just about art. Neanderthals were practical too. They used birch bark adhesives and even knew how to make rope. These discoveries are shifting our understanding of Neanderthal intelligence. True, but there's still a lot we don't know. For instance, we're still unsure why Neanderthals went extinct while we survived. Was it due to higher infant mortality rates, environmental changes, or simply bad luck? It's a mystery that continues to baffle scientists, yes. 
However, it's clear that Neanderthals were not just our evolutionary cousins, but a vital part of our shared history. And thanks to interbreeding, a part of them still lives on in us. Indeed, Charlotte, as Viola puts it, in a way, Neanderthals are still here. A fascinating thought, isn't it?